Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sonnet will. Meet young Will Shakespeare. I have a sonnet to write. Sonnet? You mean a play? He's out of luck. I say this theater is closed. Notice will be posted. Out of money. I'm still out of money for this play. What is money to you and me? And out of ideas. I hear you have a new play for the curtain. What's it called? Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter. Mm. Until she came into his world. Who is she? Dream on, Will. I heard you were a poet. I was a poet till now. Shakespeare! My heart belongs to you, but I will marry Wessex a week from Saturday. Is she fertile? She will breed. If she do not, send her back. If they find you here, they will kill you. For one kiss, I would defy a thousand Wessexes. That woman is a woman! How refreshing. Winner of seven Academy Awards. I'll have poetry in my life. Welcome to Rewatchability, the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up in the modern eye. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Robert the Virulent. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> the, the Virulent. <laughs> uh, no, non good, sir. And returning, returning from, I guess, your home. Yeah, not like 20 minutes from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that triumphant. It's, it's, uh, it's JM. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, he's back. How's you had a you had a kid? I did. Kids, all right. I had another kid. Yeah, you have uh, two kids now. Yeah, it's crazy. Racking up. Bones. And I thought I got a little bone to pick with you guys because I thought you know I'll come back. Maybe we'll pick another baby themed movie. Like yeah. uh-huh. last time I had a kid, we did Look Who's Talking. Yeah. And I checked the old oh, yeah. podcast feed. You guys did Knocked Up like two weeks before. Yeah, I come back. You're not the only one who has babies. Oh, sorry. I that's right. I haven't been here for a while. I've, did one of you guys have a baby? <laughs> we, we had a baby. Yeah, that's oh right. my god, you guys! <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. That would be that would be hellish. Yeah, it'd be a hell a hellion if it had your lo- eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually worked out for the for the best because I suggested that we do something to tie into the Oscars, which yeah. are just before this podcast is going up. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording it before, so we don't know that the winner was. Uh, I'm assuming a write-in campaign for the Emoji Movie is gonna <laughs> gonna take the top yeah, honor. Exactly, but the yeah, poop Emoji d- will accept the award. <laughs> you mean Sir Patrick Stewart? <laughs> yeah, Patrick oh, I'm Stewart. sorry. How did they do that? How did they get that man? Anyway, I, we're not dump truck full of money. <laughs> sure. Yeah, emphasis on the dump. But we're not doing the Emoji Movie this week. We are going to talk about well, yeah, maybe maybe a movie that's not so much better. But we'll talk about that this week. We're doing Shakespeare in Love. 
the uh, Mark Haddon film? Mark Haddon. Mark Haddon. This is by football legend John Madden. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do always. I I fantasize that maybe there was like a DVD slash video game store in the late '90s where some teenager went up and just asked for the new Madden, right? And, and they gave him Shakespeare in Love. It, it altered their lives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> went into theater. Uh, yeah, exactly. They work for Tom Stoppard now. Yeah. He's also a writer on this. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wrote a lot of movies. Anyway, but before we get into it, we want to thank our Patreons. Those are people that give one, three, five dollars a month to keep our podcast going. So thank you so much for going to patreon.com slash rewatchability and giving that money. That's really cool of you. And in return, you get the podcast early if you give it a certain level or old podcasts that we haven't put up yet. Yeah. Rob yeah. will send you pages of his play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at least sonnets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, How do I compare thee to a summer's day? Is that how it goes? I think so. Yeah, you guys are like theater guys, so I'm expecting some right. insight on the, the accuracy of this movie. Oh, we both lived the life of a playwright at one point in our lives. So. I was more into theater for the nakedness. <laughs> Your own nakedness? Oh, right. You went to the James Franco theater school, right? <laughs> no, it was called York. <laughs> he was oh. too old for that. Um, Anyway, yeah. So let's start talking about Shakespeare in Love. Yes. Rob, do you want to tell me when you first saw this movie? I feel like you're a therapist right now. Just tell me, tell me when you first saw well, this. Well, you know, this was a big movie for my people, for the theater. <laughs> for white people? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess kind of. Yeah, white men, yeah. yeah. Uh, for like, I was going to say drama kids. Everybody who was sort of into plays or into acting or theater or anything sort of tangentially related to that was sort of into this movie, it seemed like, except me, because I don't like things. <laughs> and I wasn't ever a big Shakespeare fan either, so I sort of put off seeing it. The only thing that intrigued me about it was that it was partially written by Tom Stoppard, who I do right. really love. In fact, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Our Dead was one of the plays that got me into theater. Oh, really? Did oh, you yeah. see it, or were you in it? Well, we read it in grade 12, and then eventually I saw the movie, which is, in right. fact, directed by Tom Stoppard, featuring Gary Oldman and Tim Roth. Mm -hmm. It's great. And Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's yeah. very rewatchable. I was trying to think, because that really is like a wonderful play yeah, and a great revisionist Shakespeare work. It, it definitely like taps into what Shakespeare is or can be or the possibilities of kind of like revisiting those works. For sure. And I was trying to think of like him working on this, <laughs> what the equivalent would be. And I was thinking maybe like if Martin Scorsese had made Analyze This, <laughs> it would be kind of like that where I was like, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's kind of riffing on something he's done much better. Yeah. So I didn't see it for a long time, and I did see it eventually. I, I can't really remember when it was, but by that time, like, I knew a lot about Shakespeare and all that. And, and you know, love. I knew a little about love. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't really stick with me. It wasn't one of my favorite movies, but I do like the era, and I do like the history of Shakespeare, so I was excited. You mean the 90s? <laughs> I love the 90s, VH1. <laughs> <laughs> the 1690s? No, the the Elizabethan 1590s. era. And yeah. I like the history. It's all sort of fun to read about even the contemporaries of Shakespeare, some of which we'll meet today, like Christopher Marlowe and oh, yeah. John Webster. <laughs> so I was ready to dive back into this. In in our curriculum in high school, we had to like do a Shakespeare play every year in English. Did you guys, did you guys love any of those plays? Were any of those plays your favorite? 
I was really intrigued by Macbeth, and I think Merchant of Venice. I found really I'm glad interesting. We're in the theater right now. Uh, yeah. Hamlet <laughs> and King Lear. You know, okay. I like the ones with people dying. Yeah, you know? you're like that scruffy kid. In this yeah, movie. you're like Webster. John Webster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that who that was? Yeah. yeah. Wait, so he goes on the to dictionary write, guy? No, <laughs> he's probably like his great great Wait, the, great grandfather, tiny black kid from eighties television. <laughs> That's the same guy. Yeah, same guy, same character. Wow. No, the sort of morbid kid is supposed to grow up to be John Webster, who writes the Duchess of Malfi. Mm, yeah, where someone famously bites off their own tongue and spits it at someone. Yeah, I, I don't even remember that question. kid saying his name. Yeah, movie, well, he? he says, he says like, oh, young Mr. Webster. Oh, like, okay. You yeah. know, you'll do great things or something like that. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Anyway. What about you, Jam? I saw this movie in the theater. Yeah. Not, not like, you know, the theater. But <laughs> just a movie. Stratford-upon-Yvonne? <laughs> <laughs> just a regular upon old movie Yvonne. theater. Because I used – I wasn't that excited about it. It was – you know, I, I did like some of the Shakespeare we read in, mm-hmm. in high school and, yeah, Macbeth, I remember – uh, are you are you allowed to say that in podcast studios? I don't know what the rules yeah, are. Yeah, Macbeth. I think you are. The Scottish <laughs> podcast. Um, no, I uh, I remember not being excited about it, but I saw all the Best Picture nominees. Okay. Until they so expanded. Saving Private Ryan. Like, oh, I, I saw, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw that like when it came out. I, yeah, yeah. I'd seen that already. But that's before they expanded it to like up to 10 nominees because like, who has the time for that? Yeah, no, that's a lot. Certainly not the Academy. <laughs> yeah. Do all of them watch all those? Like, probably not, no. right? No. But yeah, so I went to go see it, and I don't know. I didn't mind it, but I didn't, wasn't excited about it. Yeah. But then I remember, remember there was a, I don't think it's around anymore, but there was a chain of theaters in Canada, uh, the Alliance Theaters. Right. And it was like the distribution company that did some of the more independent or, Art house movie. Well, I think right. they also did like Ninja Turtles and stuff. But, you know, right. they, they did some of the more independent yeah. things that needed distribution here. So they opened like a classy movie theater chain to kind of rival, you know, the pedestrian. Uh, did they? Really? Uh, one for the masses that like we all went to. Like in Toronto? Yeah, in Toronto. And they had like two or three locations. And I remember I went to one of them and, and you had be- to become a member to go. Oh. So, but wow. it wasn't a lot. You paid like $10 or $15 something yeah. and became a member. But, you As, arrive on a high horse, too, to, to get into the theater, yeah. Yeah, and everyone there looked like Colin Firth. <laughs> yeah. But as when you sign up for the membership as part of the incentive, you get a VHS tape, or you would, and they're all Alliance movies. So the only options, <laughs> I believe, were Shakespeare in Love or The English Patient. Okay. So oh. I chose Shakespeare in Love. So I had this movie on VHS, probably still in my parents' house. Did you ever watch it? Once probably you got not. It? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember loving this movie when it came out. I was all about it just because I think I was like because of the theater stuff. Right. I was behind the scenes on Shakespeare. You had a passion was, for the stage. Yeah. And I liked movies and I loved – I was obsessed with the third Indiana Jones movie, which was Tom Stoppard did like a pass on. Wait. That's why you liked this movie? <laughs> I, I wanted to see it because someone was like, oh, Tom Stoppard like wrote this movie. And <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. If you loved Indiana Jones, yeah. strap in because here comes Shakespeare in <laughs> love. I like the part where Shakespeare uses the bullwhip. Yeah. I love the part exactly. where that little kid was like, no time for love, Shakespeare. <laughs> It's like that's in the title. That was John Webster. <laughs> uh, well, I'm yeah okay. So fair enough, fair enough. But 
I did want to go see it for those reasons, and I I quite liked it. I I liked the romance of it. I liked the theater. I, Just liked. I, uh, <laughs> I I thought that it was kind of. They were trying to write a Shakespeare play uh, for the screen about Shakespeare, and I thought that when I was, I guess, 15, that they pulled it off. I was wrong, but like I thought that when I was well, 15. And yeah, we'll get into we'll it. Get Maybe into they it. did wow. pull it Maybe off. Maybe they did. Well, let's get into it. Rob, do you want to run us down on this very intense plot? Takes a lot of twists and turns. Okay. I don't think we watched the same movie. <laughs> is it, it's funny, but also sad. Sean Connery's in it. So <laughs> yeah. Some kind of grail. Yeah. All the Nazis. A cup. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. So, takes place in Elizabethan England. This is easy to tell because you see Queen Elizabeth about 10 minutes in. <laughs> she goes, this is my England. <laughs> <laughs> it's my England, bitch. <laughs> Judy Dench, how this dare town. you? This <laughs> town. She's down. great. <laughs> oh, no. It's not that bad. No. And so it's about this guy who writes his name as Will Squabbush. <laughs> No, it's Will Shakespeare. Well, that was a weird scene because in the like the opening <laughs> titles for this movie, it cuts to William Shakespeare hard at work with his quill, and he's just writing his name out a bunch of times over and over again. Like, what a dummy! He I thought he was writing. Right. I thought he was writing Hamlet or some shit. He's just <laughs> just practicing his own name. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine the guy that got as famous as Shakespeare with the name Squabbush. <laughs> Did you study Squabbush in school? Oh, yeah. Squabbush was my fucking favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Hamlorch? That was my... Uh, yeah. yeah, but a rose by any other name. Yeah. That's McGruff? True. Yeah, that was a great play. Macbeth, that was the, one the, crime, the crime dog. dog. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> well, no, so he's, uh, it's William Shakespeare. So at this time, a little bit of history lesson for you, there wasn't any sort of standardized English, so there was no proper way to spell Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I was in high school or something, I was kind of pretentious, and I decided, since I knew this fact, that I would write Shakespeare without the E at the end. You know, because maybe he did it that way a few times. Yeah. He wrote it different every single time. Right. But then after I almost failed a few essays, <laughs> I decided to swallow my pride. Wow. But so he's a, he's a struggling playwright. I mean, he's not a struggling playwright. His plays are being performed for the queen, but he's struggling to write his next masterpiece. He has the good old writer's block, mm-hmm. and it's really important that he writes something because what's-his-face is having his feet held to the fire. Jeffrey Rush? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, he's got this play called Romeo and Ethel, the Pirate Queen, that he's not doing very well on, and he's not inspired. Right, Pirate's Daughter, excuse me. (laughs) And his muse is some... seminal work, okay? ...is some woman in John Gilgood's company, and, you know... John Gilgood? Not John Gilgood. Yeah, whatever that guy's name is. I can't remember all of, like, the famous British actors, theater, impresarios. John Gilgood was in, like, the 20th century. Yeah, but they're all but named they're all John. British. <laughs> John or Will. And also no Jeffrey Rush is being tortured by Tom Wilkinson. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, they have some like, good torture. It's so many good actors in this movie. It's classy torture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's sort of all the actors that you expect in like a Shakespeare or a period piece. But anyway, so he's working on this new play. Meanwhile, his play is being put on for the Queen. And also in attendance is Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. And she is really into it. Mm -hmm. Um, While everybody else is sort of falling asleep, like normal at a Shakespeare play. (laughs) (laughs) 
she is mouthing the words like yeah. your high school English teacher. And, <laughs> and she's, she's wide awake because she has a proper nutrition because she follows the glow guidebook. You yeah, know? You, they would have stayed awake too if they had a coffee enema right before <laughs> yeah, exactly. the play started. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take that advice from when next time I go to Stratford. Oh, man. So he, he sees her and, uh, and she's pretty. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's good. <laughs> I feel like you're doing a book report. <laughs> I feel like we're going to docu points for Shakespeare being s- spelled wrong. And <laughs> So anyway, she talks to her like nurse afterwards, and she says that she wishes that she could become an actor. That's important because it might just happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, we have Will Shakespeare, smolderingly played by Joe Fiennes. <laughs> Yeah, Joseph Fines. Yeah. Yeah. We call him Joseph, but... Yeah, he's not Rafe. Is that how you pronounce his brother's name? Yeah, Rafe. Rafe. Yeah. It's always confusing in his family. Ralph Fines. And he's, yeah, he's... I remember him being like a big dreamboat. Everyone was, you know, all the girls I knew were talking about him. And he just disappeared for 20 years and then (laughs) showed up playing Michael Jackson (laughs) to the confusion of the world. Wait, he's playing Michael Jackson? Oh, he was. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it didn't come out. Yeah, I think they did, they shelved it, right? It was like a TV show, an That's episode of, of an anthology show. And it was about like him and who was it? Elizabeth Taylor and Brando, like taking a road trip after 9-11 or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I wanted to see that. They shelved it? I bad. think so. Probably because everyone was like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, specifically the part about like the white person playing Michael Jackson. Yeah. Mm. Not, not just a white person. The guy who's from the whitest movie (laughs) that people remember. (laughs) Yeah. But so Will Shakespeare sees his muse getting banged by the minister of revelries or whatever. (laughs) Right. uh, Right. He's doing his job. He's a minister of revelries. Yes. Simon Callow. Right. Right. And he like freaks out and he meets like Christopher Marlowe who gives him a bunch of ideas for his play. So now he can finally like get to work and start writing this thing and he decides to do it for the other theater and they start putting on this thing. But while they're holding the auditions, they can't find the Romeo. Now this is the essential part in Romeo and Ethel the Pirate's Daughter. <laughs> I'm just going to correct you there. It's Romeo plus Ethel the Pirate's Daughter. You mean Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, uh, just to back up for a second, it, it feels really weird to me that in this movie, Shakespeare is just kind of terrible at his job. Because, like, when we first see him, he's kind of, we hear snippets of what's going to be in the play from people in the street, like someone mm-hmm. says, like, a plague on both your houses yeah. and things. Yeah. So I, I get that, oh, he over, he listens to everything and he right. overhears He's things and he gets ideas. As an artist yeah. from the world. Yeah. But then he just straight up steals an idea from Marlowe. Yeah. Marlowe just gives him, like, the setup for his play and the names of several characters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty fucked. But that's what Shakespeare is sort of known to have done. He took mm-hmm. all of his things from other texts. In fact, there was a predecessor to Romeo and Juliet, so this whole movie is a lie. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading that too. It's like, it's literally a story called like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah. Or Julietta. Well, like you think Tom Stopper would know that? <laughs> he did. This, I mean, this, Tom. this movie doesn't make sense. Oh, Tom. Stop. Yeah, if this movie were more accurate, it would have been an eight minute film about 
Shakespeare finding another book. And they're like, oh, I'll just do that. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people think that most Shakespeare plays were written by the company, like most plays were back then, like written by the whole company together. And then one person would like write it all down. It was more of a collective creation. Actually, I meant to ask you guys about that. What are some of the like conspiracy theories about Shakespeare? One that he was – he was like a collective. Is that what it was? Or was yeah. he a guy? Yeah. He was He was a guy at the head of the collective right. that was part actor, sometimes director. Mm-hmm. Some people think that his plays were written by Christopher Marlowe, probably mm-hmm. just because he contributed so heavily to them. Yeah. Or uh, Francis Bacon. Yeah. Uh, is a big is a big conspiracy theory, too, that he wrote those plays. And then the other one is that Shakespeare's wife wrote most of the yeah. plays. Right. Or time travelers. Or, or time travelers with laptops. It could have been Marty McFly. Right. <laughs> he had to put on a play to get his great-great-grandparents to meet. Yeah, and no one had ever rhymed before, so it was like a big thing. Someone was like, listen to this. Hey, William, William. Yeah. <laughs> Puts a horn up to Yeah, he started reciting a mammoth play, and he's like, you guys aren't ready for that yet. <laughs> Nobody's ready for that yet. Or anymore. <laughs> yeah, but so... She decides that she's going to audition in, like, sort of, like, drags herself up, puts on a hat, puts her hair under the hat, and auditions. Everybody else has been doing the speech from Dr. Faustus by Marlowe, and we already know that— Did you have to read that play in university? Faustus? Yeah. You hate it? Yeah, I don't like it at all. I like it. Really? It's about a man selling his soul to the devil for knowledge. Yeah, it was really boring. That doesn't fascinate you? <laughs> no, no. I, anyway, I was like, great. it's been done, you know? And then. <laughs> well, it hadn't been done until. <laughs> no, I know. Simpsons did it, Christopher Marlowe. Exactly. Come on, catch up. Gerda. <laughs> but she uses a little bit of flattery, realizes she's auditioning for a Shakespeare play, Big decides ego, to do yeah. a Shakespeare monologue or sonnet. And this is after everybody else is sort of gone. So it's only Will sort of lying up in the rafters like a weirdo. <laughs> Maybe he's had too much to drink. I don't know. But also yeah. she doesn't say, like, I'm going to do a monologue from Shakespeare. She you says, have to slate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she says, like, I'm going to do a piece by, like, the greatest playwright known to... Or she says some, like, big, you know, some flattering thing. Yeah. May I begin, sir? Your name? Thomas Kent, I, I would like to do a speech by a writer who commands the heart of every player. What light is light if Sylvia be not seen? What joy is joy if Sylvia be not by? Unless it be to think that she is by and feed upon the shadow of perfection. Except I be by Sylvia in the night. There is no music in the nightingale. Unless I look on Sylvia in the day, there is no day for me to look upon. She is my essence, and I leave to be if I be not. Take off your hat. My hat. Where'd you learn how to do that? I... Let me see you. Take off your hat. But it'd be like if you auditioned for Transformers, like, I'm going to do a piece from the greatest film of The Rock. <laughs> the <laughs> most wonderful piece of cinema to ever be put on celluloid. <laughs> Marla was the prom queen. Yes, this is genius. 
yeah. put Marky Mark in my movie. <laughs> but she she gets it and she's good and Will hears it and he wants to get him, thinks it's a him, mm-hmm. to stop and perform more or whatever. So he chases <laughs> him, like, he screams hunts at him down. Yeah, he's like... Take off your hat! <laughs> the fuck is? Why would he say that? Like he's like I, well, he's walking to, to have church your hat or on in a theater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like one of those things, like the M word or whistling. Now I'm not gonna say Nick. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because in a sense, this is a theater. Right. We're you know? performing. Theater of the mind. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always thought of it that way. <laughs> so he like makes chase. And there's like a boat chase. That's <laughs> as exciting as this movie gets. It's like a gondolier, <laughs> like just kind of slowly paddling. Follow that boat. <laughs> he does say that. That's literally a line from this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh. Brilliant, Tom Stoppard. Yeah, but I think it's meant to be played for laughs a little bit. You know. Yeah, kind of. So anyway, he delivers a note to the uh, castle saying to, like, come out to the play. He doesn't just deliver a note. He, like, breaks in. He pretends to be in a band that's playing at the party. Right, right. And then that's when he sees uh, Gwyneth for for one of the first times, right? Yeah. And and dances with her and kind of falls in love with her. Here's where I got confused because I'm going to be honest with you. I just had a baby. I'm super tired. Okay. I thought that when he sees Gwyneth Paltrow and, like, dances with her and she's like, Master Shakespeare. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that, like, because then he starts, she, she comes back to the play dressed as a boy, but he keeps giving her notes to give to yes. her female self. I thought that, like, he... Read this when you're a girl again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, that's what I mean. I thought that he knew. <laughs> right. And I thought it was just, like, right. for all the other cast members, they were just kind of, like, putting on airs that he would... Yeah. Right. She would deliver it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I thought the exact same thing. Oh, good. I thought that he realized it as soon as she was delivering the monologue. First of all, because... He sounds exactly like Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> right. And second of all... He looks exactly like Gwyneth Paltrow. Why is, you read Goop? <laughs> why is he screaming, take off your hat, yeah. if he doesn't suspect him of having Gwyneth Paltrow's long, luscious blonde hair? Whenever someone's genius around me, I, I yell at them. But then also, like, when take they're... Take off your clothes. When they're <laughs> dancing it. and she's yeah, like... it's not appropriate, Blaine. <laughs> Stop doing You're that. You're a genius. When they're dancing and she recognizes him, yeah. I thought that was the moment where he, like, realized... Yeah. So no, Shakespeare's not only a hack, he's a, he's a big dum-dum in this well, movie. And, yeah. and he is proved to be dumb because later on when, we, when he's in the gondola, Gwyneth Paltrow kisses him as the, as the boy, dresses the boy, and runs into the house. The gondolier guy is like, ah, that was a girl. That was the guy at the gates, isn't it? Uh, or is that the gondolier? Yeah, is it, it was, a gondola if it's I in England? I, mean, I don't know. But he's like, yeah, that cost you wouldn't fool anyone, <laughs> which is which is a funny line and what we're all thinking in the theater. But yeah. also kind of like, well, maybe you could have just done what you guys were saying. Like that might have made more sense in this. But I, I was just actively confused. I yeah. was a bit confused as well. I don't think it helps that in her drag disguise, Gwyneth Paltrow looks like Dave Foley. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I almost did a spit take. Oh, my God. It's very confusing for me. <laughs> It's so Dave Foley. Like when Dave Foley radio and Shakespeare kissed. (laughs) I mean, I was excited for these two cultural touchstones to come together finally. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that was confusing. I thought that he was in on it before he figures it out anyway. But then after that, they sort of go at it full bear anyway. And Gwyneth Viola is the character's name is playing Tom. 
Kent, the actor playing Romeo on stage, and then coming backstage to mac out with Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also there's, like, a bunch of stuff that happens during the rehearsals that nobody seems to, like, question. Nobody there's a seems lot to... of sword fights in these rehearsals. When I was in rehearsal, no one had sword fights. You mean, like, real sword fights? Like, real people sword fights. people barge in and start yeah. attacking people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that oh, happened. yeah. Yeah, well, that happens because the Burbage hears that Shakespeare isn't giving him his play or whatever. Yeah, yeah, So he yeah. comes and, you know, there's a sword fight with them. Mm-hmm. And then a whole bunch of other people come and there's another sword fight. It and is, we haven't even yeah. mentioned that Ben Affleck's in this fucking thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know Harvey movies, Weinstein. You know your movie's like, in trouble when the comedic relief is Ben Affleck. <laughs> Yeah. Batman comes in telling jokes. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, don't call him Batman. <laughs> DC called him Batman. He, uh, you know, he doesn't have the accent. No. At all. No, he's. <laughs> but I will say his scenes are pretty funny. Yeah. Well, because he plays a pompous asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's in his wheelhouse. It's good casting. Yeah. That scene where he makes the old-timey reporter sit on his lap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was gross. Yeah, and he's like, Shakespeare, you're a genius. You need to write more plays. Like, if I come to your house tomorrow and you're not there, that'll be the best day of my life. That's what he says to him. <laughs> Holy jeez. You need to go to Boston, <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I thought hey, he was Shakespeare. Now you like them apples. <laughs> the part where he comes in and says, what role do you have for me? And he says, Mercutio. He says, what's the name of the play? Yeah. Mercutio. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's funny. funny. I don't know. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's good because he sort of plays somebody who's way overconfident and who you realize isn't as good as he thinks that he is. Yeah. But I do like the part later where he's written him his like big speech and he's trying to explain it to him. And he's like, yeah, but then he disappears for the rest of the play. And he doesn't realize that he's died. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was his death speech. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. It was good. That's some good yeah. funny stuff. But so then, then Tom Stopper should write a, a new movie that's just from the perspective of Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, that's but also Ben love. Affleck is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and if you made a movie called Ben Affleck is Dead, everyone would go see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to return to the more Shakespeare in Love uh, right after this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about Shakespeare and love. And we were just getting into kind of like the the fun and games of it with all the sword fighting in the theater and, yeah. uh, and Christopher Marlowe dying. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't want to talk about any of that right now because we haven't actually talked about like one of the main like plot devices of the thing, which is that dramatic irony. Yes. Oh. Yes. Pathetic fallacy. We're not talking about swords. Your life. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to talk about like the Gwyneth Paltrow plot because – her, like, dad is selling her off into marriage to the most undesirable man to come from England ever, Colin Firth. Right. 
just an ogre of a right <laughs> who plays like the desirable man in every other like British rom com. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but he yeah his his like he's adorned in the most pompous way. He also has like the girl with the pearl earring earring at yeah, one point. Like, my, it's pretty, my grandma had that earring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very funny. There's also um, another character in this movie with a stutter. He could have nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, so she like tells Shakespeare to like not fall in love with her. <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> it's not going to work. Spoiler. <laughs> because she has to go to the colonies to Virginia with Colin Firth. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, but Shakespeare can't help but fall in love with her. It's right there and in the title. It's right there in the title. It's and not called Shakespeare platonic friend. <laughs> 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 that would that would that would protest too much. That, that's yeah. what that would be. It would also be about love. But there's like this, <laughs> there's a scene where they have to get uh, approval from the queen for the marriage. Mm-hmm. So after she and Shakespeare have been sleeping together for like thirty minutes, it's there's like this whole <laughs> montage of like rehearsing the play, having sex, oh, and then God. Will Shakespeare being like, "Ah, now I know what to write." <laughs> No, it's, and then there's more rehearsing, more sex, and then he's like, "Ah, now I don't to write." It's kind of like it's really cringy in some in some instances because Will Shakespeare is making her tell lines from his play to him while he's like having sex with her. Yeah, like he's getting off on his own lines. It's the it's Ooh. so bad. Yeah, but accurate. <laughs> but accurate if you've ever met a playwright, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Women do not want to help you with your plays after sex. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Anything I'd say e- would even just if be insulting you at this point. <laughs> dramaturgs. <laughs> Is that how you met all these dramaturg girlfriends? They were they were helping you with well, the play. Well, I just remembered there's a life I should be looking after right now. There's a child in my house. Why am I here talking about Shakespeare's dick? <laughs> <laughs> Will's Quill is what they, they call it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This movie would not have won the Oscar. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very Well, also, to to address kind of like the elephant in the room, like, well, I think we should get into some of the machinations behind how it won the Oscar a little later. Oh, but yeah. this was a big movie for noted monster Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And it feels especially cringy watching it now because it's a movie about – a producer of entertainment who's like, I'm going to sleep with my lead actress. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's just watching it like now just has this extra layer of grossness, even though in the yeah. movie it's obviously like a love story. But yeah. but the fact that he's kind of the guy ultimately pulling the strings in this story just made me feel Who, gross. Shakespeare? <laughs> Weinstein. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little gross thinking about it. I mean – it was kind of easy to forget, though. I, just maybe because I've seen this before, but I really buy like they have chemistry together. Like I really buy their relationship a lot, even though it's it's just them doing it. I found them all hour. really annoying. Them all, like the two, or like all the characters. I guess mostly the two of them. Okay, but I guess some of the supporting cast I like. But I don't know. There's just this. I like I the nurse a lot. The nurse, yeah, Imelda Don. Yeah, she's great. No, the guy playing the nurse. The guy playing the nurse? Yeah, both, both of them, oh, actually. A lot of nurses in this movie. Yeah. I, you know, the supporting cast, there's just something about, like, maybe it's also the way it was written, just this, like, mm. wide-eyed, earnest, music-swelling kind of performances that just yeah. seemed too much for me. But that was, that was kind of like, I think that's what they were trying to 
do, like the, capture the feeling that Shakespeare gave teenagers, you know, yeah. of like I, there is true love out there and there is this thing that I can believe in wholeheartedly that has no imperfections to it and that is loving this one person. But also I think it's – that's kind of like watching it now, that's kind of undercut by the fact that at the beginning of the movie, like he's – it's not just that he meets someone and falls in love. It's that he's like, I can't write this play. And he goes to see like a psychiatrist who's like, you need to like yeah. go sleep with some women and yeah. then you'll be able to write again. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So it's just him trying to meet women so he can write this play, not because he's, you know, meets a woman and falls in love or respects her. It's ultimately about him getting his play done. And I, and I was going to fight you on that. But then the end of this movie is her being like, well, now you can write another play. <laughs> and he and he goes, yeah. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> throws her out a window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like I gotta write. You gotta go. Have fun in Virginia. <laughs> also, I should check and see how my wife and child are doing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's another plot point that uh, she kind of finds out that he has this plot point slash historical thing. Yeah, yeah. That he has uh, a wife in in another city. Yeah. He is. Uh, He's like the just... Don Draper of old timey playwrights. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Anne Hathaway. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. The whole thing just seemed kind of like weird to me. The idea is it's not about Shakespeare falling in love. It's about Shakespeare wanting to do something and it, it conveniently he is able to fall in love. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if he – it's almost as if like he couldn't ever write another play after this. That would have been the the better thing. Like he finally found what he was writing about all those years and oh. then he was like, oh, I found it. I don't need to write about it anymore. Then I won't have to see the shitty Tempest time yeah, after time. Yeah, now I can go home to my family. Yeah. Or if it was like – why don't you just make it like accidental – like he's writing a shitty play and then he meets someone and it turns the it makes the play better. Yeah. As opposed to him like actively just seeking well, someone who right. will it's it's that kind of like muse myth that I think is Well is, and I think I think really Tom Stoppard has to do that. And just just one <laughs> <laughs> one new mistress for every movie he does. Let me tell you how it goes, kids. <laughs> um, no, but like but in the in I, the opening scene he literally writes his name on a like a charm and gives it to another woman Rosalind, to try yeah. and like make her fall like he's well, using black magic to try and trick women into yeah. loving him so he will be able to write a good play but that's what they're doing there is is they're just they're copying Romeo and Juliet because that was the whole thing about Romeo and Juliet is that Romeo was in love with Rosalind and then Rosaline, Rosalind, Rosalind. Well, it's Rosalind yeah. in the movie. Is it? But, but like, and in the play? I, I think they also say Rosaline in order to rhyme, like in a couplet. Right, right. Anyway, he loves her, and then when when he's like done with loving her, he kind of falls in love with Juliet, and it's supposed to be about kind of how easy it is to fall in love when you're young in Romeo and Juliet. So even in the play that he's writing, the the love is undercut, like. But it's not like because Romeo was like, I need to write a killer screenplay. So, <laughs> and this guy told me this is the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, all coked out going to parties. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the Baz Luhrmann version, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I understand why they did that in the movie. But yeah, you're totally right that it kind of undercuts the true love of this of this yeah. movie. I think it got away with it because it's Shakespeare. But if if it wasn't Shakespeare, people would probably just be like, what an asshole. Yeah. Well, he kind of comes off as an asshole anyway. Yeah. Like all the times that he says that he's Christopher Marlowe <laughs> and then he thinks that he got Christopher Marlowe killed. And yeah. I thought that he got Christopher yeah, Marlowe killed. I, I was like that. outraged at Shakespeare for a while. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm still not completely convinced that he's not at fault. Well, they say in right. the movie that he's not. No, I know. Colin at the end, he's like, well, I was delighted because I thought it was you, but I didn't have anything to do with it. 
saying yeah. that because there's a knife up to his neck. And there, that was yeah. one of the. There's some really funny. I assume Tom Stoppard witticisms in this movie when they say that Marlowe actually died in a bar fight. And yeah. he said it was just an argument over the bill. And Jeffrey Rush says, vanity. And this is not the billing, the bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's like some really clever lines sandwiched Definitely. in a yeah. turd of a movie, in my opinion. <laughs> there's also like a lot of like weird anachronistic stuff. Like, like when. That car they arrive in? That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, after, like, he's in one of the gondolas. The gondola tries to give him a script that he's written. Oh, like, yeah, that was like, like a, like a Hollywood thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of, like, Hollywood winking. Like, you can see partly why this won the Oscar, because right. there's a lot of, like, yeah, like, when they're rehearsing and they're like, who's that? Like, oh, he's no one. He's the writer. Yeah. You know, th- yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily anachronistic, but it's also, you can feel it's, like, Hollywood people kind of, and it's celebrating, like, the whole putting on a show and the enter- the show business, you know, yeah. like it, it's yeah. kind of, yeah. I don't know. Like if you made that in the 20th century and made it about movies, it would be the most, you know, snake eating its own tail, Oscar Beatty yeah. kind of well, movie that. Like, the like artist. the one that, yeah, like the artist or oh, uh, God, La La Land. Artists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so, that's what I mean. Like the I two other Oscar winners. <laughs> I don't think I necessarily picked up on that the first time. And even like I don't know, it bothers me that like plays are magic in this movie. Like there's a guy who stutters, but then when they're performing the play, he just stops because uh, handicaps are magically overcome through theater. Yeah. Plays are magic. Oh, sorry. But also yeah. that's like a real thing that apparently happens is and that's why they advise a lot of people with stutters to go into performing. And in fact, a lot of Actors, renowned actors, went into acting because they were trying to deal with a stutter, including some like Bruce Willis. Oh. But wait, it, would, it only happens when they're like doing opening night shows? Only when it's opening night. Or would yeah. it be well, like rehearsing and. No, you know, I, think it's, I, I think it would be like, it might not be like automatic, like as soon as you say rehearsal started, you're like, ah, oh, it's gone. But I think it's something about like the intentionality of speaking well, and, or and also or like performative. Yeah, knowing what right. you're going to say, it hits yeah. another area of the brain when you've memorized something and are saying yeah. it than when you're like trying to come up with something and saying it at the same time. There's a lot of people that can sing perfectly fine. Well, I mean, stuttering and anyway, that happens with stuttering is that you can sing perfectly fine, but okay. You can't. Yeah, it's, right. it's really interesting. I yeah. just think it's weird that it's like in all the rehearsals, he couldn't deliver his lines and then magically yeah. the show night he was perfect and Jeffrey yeah. Rush didn't help him at all I mean the, the, the tr- that is kind of t- the th- true thing about that is that when you are put- putting up a play it seems impossible like I remember putting up plays and the set having fell apart like an hour earlier and the uh, stage manager not showing mm-hmm. up and then we n- never had a rehearsal that like we ran it all the way through without fucking up and having to go back to the script and then you get on stage and it all works like yeah I, I remember when I was like 15 watching this being like, oh, yeah, that's how it always happens. That's how it always is. It always – that's the magic of it theater. It always feels like a miracle just that it happened and you pulled it off. Yeah. Never mind that nobody thought it was good and the queen was falling asleep. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, and your mother was like, the lighting was really good. <laughs> like, and your dad's yeah. like, I don't understand it, but – Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my grandmother would always say like that was a really interesting play. There Why were a lot they of swears. Keep their clothes on. <laughs> I thought this was a high school play. Why were you all naked? <laughs> um, it's art, Grandma. <laughs> um, so we didn't talk about how like she comes back and plays Juliet. At the yeah, end. 
Well, so they, they like initially canceled the show because of her being a woman, and that's that wasn't allowed in Elizabethan England. Women weren't allowed to perform on stage, so all the women's parts had to be performed by young boys, which we comically see with the boy who's like desperately trying to keep his voice from cracking, mm. like Blaine is trying to desperately keep his voice from cracking. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so they discovered that Gwyneth Paltrow is in fact a woman, and so they shut down the theater, but they decide to put it on at the other theater. But now they have no Romeo, so who's got to be Romeo? Shakespeare. But then... <laughs> Juliet's voice cracks. So what are they going to do? Well, guess who happens to be in the audience? Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. And she's got a whole bunch of goop. (laughs) (laughs) No, she knows all the lines. This coffee enema will get me through the performance. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to memorize lines. Mm -hmm. When she, like... When she and Chris Martin, I think that was his name, like, were... Don't were, pretend you're not a fan. Were divorcing. Consciously uncoupling. Yeah, that's what she was doing with Shakespeare at the end of this movie, you know? She was moving on with someone else. Conscious yeah. uncoupling. I'm going to go to the new world and start a magazine <laughs> full of pseudoscience and half-truths. <laughs> yeah, so she goes on stage. She plays it. Everyone's yeah. kind of, like, aghast that it's a woman, but the play must go on. I, do they realize that it's a woman? Yeah, I thought they didn't yeah, know they, until Simon Callow comes in. At the yeah. End. Oh, really? I thought people kind of gasped, and then everyone was like, no, let's go on. No. With it. Oh, I think okay. the people that knew gasped. Yeah. Oh, on stage, it, right. Yeah. This okay. was, in Elizabethan England, people just believed whatever you showed them on stage. If you right. showed them somebody <laughs> pretending to be a lion, they would think there was an actual lion on stage. Not like and in the 21st century where people are so media savvy that you know yeah. they're never <laughs> Misled by any kind of falsehoods. No. Right. no. Yeah. But certainly. <laughs> but anyway, so they believe that it's, that it's a woman until, yeah, Simon Callow comes and, okay. uh, and ruins the. Yeah, know. yeah. Then they have like all these scenes together, like that are like the culmination of the relationship sort of together. And they get to like kiss each other. Well, like, not in, like, a weird Dave Foley disguise, <laughs> which I thought was kind of nice when it happened. <laughs> the non-Dave Foley disguise? Yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is nice. They were both nice. <laughs> but so they pull off the play, and then it gets shut down. They're about to arrest everybody in the theater, but it just so happens that in the disguise, que- the in the The queen was there, seats, yeah. Yeah, the queen was watching. Yeah, dressed and as Mark McKinney, which is <laughs> which is really cool. Good costume. <laughs> yeah, and she saves the day. She makes like a declaration. She she basically inspects her and says, "Oh no, yeah, this I can see man. how you'd be confused, yeah. but that's totally a man." She says, "Like the queen doesn't attend lewd performances." Or yeah, something. yeah. That woman is a woman. What? A woman? You mean that goat? I'll see you all in clink in the name of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Mr. Tilly! Have a care with my name. You will wear it out. The Queen of England does not attend exhibitions of public lewdness. So something is out of joint. Come here, Master Kent. Let me look at you. Yes, the illusion is remarkable. And your error, Mr. Tilney, is easily forgiven. But I know something of a woman in a man's profession. 
Yes, by God, I do know about that. Yeah, she's great. Judy Dench, I don't know. She can do no wrong in my eyes. She's so great in this well, movie. She won the Oscar for this, and there yeah. was some controversy over it because she was only in the movie for like eight minutes, I think. Yeah, there's other movies actress. she's better in, for sure, that well, she, she could get an Oscar for. She was – a lot of people said she was kind of robbed the year before for Mrs. Brown. Right. So this was kind of like the condolence Oscar. Right. But, yeah, I mean she's fine. Philomena? I don't think so. Okay. Because that was a great performance. What about too? School for Scandal? I don't know. Was that? Oh, uh, is that what it's called? I can't remember. No, I can't remember. I saw that, though. <laughs> yeah. Scandal School? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think I, was <laughs> I think I was thinking Sounds of the like a Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> School for Scoundrels? Was that Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> what the fuck was that? Notes on a Scandal. Yeah. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. She's a good dame. Schooled yourselves there. <laughs> Yeah, and then she goes to Virginia, he writes the play, and that's kind of the end of this movie, is that he starts writing The Tempest right at the end of this movie. No, it's... Oh, Twelfth Night. Yeah, it's yeah, Twelfth yeah, Night, yeah. yeah. And that's Shakespeare in love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not with his wife. No! Uh, no, not, no, not with his family. No, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> He's, it's... It, <laughs> It's like an awkward, like, biographical detail to have to contend with. But he's just so, like, he's kind of just so sheepish about it. He's like, oh, yes, my wife. Like, at one point, they're in, like, some body house. And uh, somebody, like, mentions his wife back at Stratford. And Gwyneth Paltrow freaks out. Yeah. He's just kind of a dick about it. You know he's not sending any child support from uh, one gentleman of Verona or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something like this movie was so loose with every bit of history like you think they could just be like have Shakespeare be like oh yeah my wife died in a hurricane or <laughs> she's eaten by a bear yeah she's not yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. she did not exit pursued fast enough <laughs> <laughs> can yeah. we talk about the Oscars a little bit oh yeah, yeah. no I read up on this because the Harvey Weinstein <laughs> stuff <laughs> who are you wearing That's well the this most is important. kind of a controversial yeah one right Cause, there's a stink around it yeah yeah because from what I understand <laughs> as it should be it was up know, against some amazing movies I'm gonna look that. I it was up against uh, it actually made me appreciate like today's nominees like or this year's because there's so many different types of movies different genres like the nominees for that year I think were Shakespeare in Love Saving Private Ryan the Thin Red Line, Life is Beautiful, and Elizabeth, which also starred Joseph Fiennes. So you had two <laughs> Joseph Fiennes Queen Elizabeth movies, and then three World War II movies. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like so dull. Like, yeah. Like I like The Thin Red Line and sure. parts of Saving Private Ryan, but uh, it just seems like so boring. Like if you were to do like – you know, like in a movie where they go to the Oscars, like a Naked Gun 3 or something, and they have to have five made-up movies that would be at the Oscars? Those feel like the five made-up <laughs> movies they would have at the Oscars. It's pretty funny. Yeah. It's uh, it's so interesting, though, that I guess like every campaign you can be bought. And Harvey Weinstein did that with Shakespeare in Love. He invited people over to his house to like watch the film. Oh, it wasn't to watch the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He hounded people. He yeah. made people cold call people for days and days and days until they finally got them back like every day, which is a little much. I think I would have reviewed the film worse if Harvey Weinstein was calling me every day. But Yeah, you'd think so because it's like yeah. anonymous ballots. And also I heard like he really like put the cast through the ringer in terms of promoting it. Like yeah. most – you know, movie stars would just go on a few talk shows or something. Yeah. They were doing like radio call-in shows, like months and months of promotion. Yeah. yeah. 
But this is a new information that it was a dick. No, you know, no, bully no. And promoting like this movie. But the amount of money he spent on the promotion of just for the Oscars of this movie, I, I feel like how would you even make that back in terms of like this movie winning the Oscar? Like, well, it was more important for his company, which now his most recent company is going to go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. So you know, yeah. that's the end of all of that. But this was important to make it a contender and to put it on yeah. the level that the other studios were yeah. competing at. Well, some people were saying that he would spend upwards of like $50 million just, oh on, just on this movie alone, trying to get into the Oscars. Also, I heard something to the effect of, oh yeah, he held like a party for the director yeah. and invited a bunch of Academy members, which is like against the rules, which kind of rubbed <laughs> yeah. people the wrong way. But then the, people, the people that got to go to a swank party were, uh, yeah, I guess, well, happy about it. He also invited one journalist so that he could say it was a press event. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So he like covered his ass that way, but the journalist was like on his payroll. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of like really sketchy stuff that he's that he's done. Which this is, this is the, the least. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is the least of it. But in terms I mean, of, I'm sure he's also not the only person who does. Like, I feel like some of that's like that's how it works in Hollywood. Possibly, yeah. Sort of. well, but also, for the Golden I, Globes and stuff. Like, he's yeah. probably like the worst and most aggressive. But also, he, apparently, he was like shit talking the other movies, like just trying to spread yeah. the yeah. sentiment that like Saving Private Ryan was. It was only the beginning was good and the rest was dumb, which is kind of true. Saving Private Ryan and secretly for the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, yeah. like, the, I, I read part of that Vanity Fair article about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you saw. Yeah, yeah. But it said that up until that point, like, Saving Private Ryan was kind of just the presumptive winner. Like, everyone, since it came out in the summertime, everyone well, thought it was that was going to be it. One of the bigger Oscar upsets of all time, for right. sure, yeah. Yeah, and I can see why, because Shakespeare in Love isn't, it's not the best acted movie, it's not the best directed movie, it's not the best written movie. It doesn't feel like any of those things are the best, or they came together to make something that was the best of the year. Like, it feels like other movies of that year, any World War II movie of that year was better than this, <laughs> than this movie. Yeah, and there are some other good movies that came out that year. The Truman Show came out. Yeah. Wild Things came out. <laughs> right. No, they should have won the Oscar for Best Kiss. There's some other good ones. (laughs) Pi. It was kind of an interesting year for movies. I was looking at it. Because it's also the 20th anniversary now. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that... Oh, gosh. I think it's a weird concept that the best movie... I mean, we we expect the best movie to win the Oscar, but when is the best movie like ever won the Oscar? Yeah, I think like, it only happened last year, and it was literally they literally had to kick the other people off stage to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it was that close to a shittier movie. We winning. were spoiled, but I mean, like you're supposed to be disappointed by the Oscars if you're endorsed by the Academy. That's not a good sign. That means that you're... You're not making art. Yeah, you're doing everything by, like, the checkboxes. I I don't think that's necessarily the case, but it can be, yeah. like It certainly was, I think, especially more, like, in this period of time. Things like, yeah, like, Saving Private Ryan would be the presumptive winner because it's a Spielberg, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It has Tom Hanks in it. Well, and, and now the Oscars are more than just, like, an awards show for Hollywood. It, it feels like a cultural event now. It's like the Super Bowl of movies. And they have an audience, which is all of, I guess, America, and I guess some of the world, if they have the foreign movie category. But they have that audience to address. And so, like, I, I feel like buying votes and doing that stuff, it does matter because it does matter to someone who saw themselves in Moonlight and they're like, oh, that'll never make it to the Oscars. And the fact that it did is like a, a big cultural moment, I feel. Yeah, like the Oscars are dumb, but I always like following them because because of that. You know, it does have 
cultural resonance. And yeah. 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 And the fact that maybe they're choosing, if they choose to highlight something, it does boost its attention. Like I'm sure for Moonlight, like they got a lot more Definitely. of an audience after those nominations and wins. So it, it does. Moonlight based off a of play. You know who by? Little guy. Shakespeare. <laughs> Marlowe. That's Webster. Scruffy, yeah. That's scruffy kid. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> no, but so it, it obviously isn't important what wins, but yeah, it's, like you're saying, I think you're right. Sometimes what they choose to highlight can have a positive impact. And yeah. like in this case, they chose to highlight something that was kind of bland in my opinion yeah. and not really saying anything. Did this movie say anything other than no. it's fun to put on a show and – Shakespeare was kind of a dick. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think it said anything much. And and I think a movie should be saying something. It, I mean, it's a it's a piece of art and that should be saying something or at least entertaining. Or the theme was like the queen said a play can't talk about what true love is and right. yeah, like yes it can show the true nature yeah. of love. And then at the end she was like, "Yeah, I guess it did." <laughs> and that was the movie. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet was okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Could he use more Everclear songs? <laughs> uh, I, I when I was fifteen, I loved Everclear, so you really, yeah, you really hit there you me. Go. There. So, what did you guys think? Did you guys think this movie was rewatchable, Rob? I think I actually did enjoy it a bit more than you guys did. I think that they got the texture of the era pretty down. And I think, like, it is interesting how they take, like, the history of the whole period and sort of, like, interweave it with this sort of, like, fantastical story about Shakespeare. And there's, like, a whole bunch of inaccuracies, but it sort of, like, builds, like, a like an interesting sort of world. I hate how much of it is just, like lines from like the plays that you recognize being right. like heard in the background and then Shakespeare being like oh I gotta remember that one yeah, 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 <laughs> gotta write that sure. down warm up the quill <laughs> <laughs> but I think there is something to it I don't think that it says nothing it's a little bit saccharine and it does try to like tie everything up into this romantic sort of message and Shakespeare is definitely a dick but I think that it's just sort of showing Shakespeare as like a complicated character and not like lionizing him as some sort of I mean it does sort of make him into a, like a romantic ideal while still showing him to be a fucking dick. Right. So I yeah. kind of thought it was rewatchable. I would probably watch it again. Okay. Oh. Sweet. Yeah. What about you, Jim? No, I didn't really like it. I the other thing I wanted to mention is it's really cruddy looking. Mm. Like it's just I think it was trying to uh you know, highlight what the time may have been like. Like there's, you know, poop on the streets and stuff. And, right. But it also just, I just thought it looked bad. Like it looked dull and flat and yeah. murky. I, I, it kind of looked like a bad film transfer at times. Yeah. I was watching it, yeah. And also like it's also very dated in the way it was shot. A lot of like canted angles and weird zooms and things mm. that, that would never happen today. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. There's something I found very dull. About it, and I think the fact that Tom Stoppard came in and did a rewrite of it. We didn't really talk about the backstory of it, but apparently it was like just a guy who was like who wrote a spec script based on apparently like his kid was in like a drama program at school and had the idea. Hey, what about a movie about Shakespeare being a shitty playwright? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, that's a good idea. And he wrote a script, and someone at a studio was like, that's a great idea. But we'd rather Tom Stoppard wrote that idea, so he came in and rewrote it yeah. uh, or rewrote enough of it to get a credit. Oh yeah, and the the other backstory is that we didn't talk about was uh, Julia Roberts was going to play. Oh right, uh, yeah. the Gwyneth yeah, Paltrow yeah. and wanted Daniel Day Lewis to be wow a Shakespeare. 
That would have been a way heavier movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, uh, not with you. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a gun? Do you have a gun? Are you a secret agent? <laughs> Where's your gun? Show me your gun. Come on. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Winona Ryder. There was a big rumor oh, that yeah. they had a falling out. Did you hear about this? Yeah. When I told my wife that we were doing this movie, she's like, you got to talk about the Winona Ryder thing. I was like, Winona what Ryder thing? Well, apparently her and Gwyneth Paltrow used to be best friends. Okay. And uh, they had a mysterious falling out. And the rumor was that it was because Gwyneth Paltrow f- was over at Winona's house and saw the Shakespeare in Love script uh, and actively pursued the role and, you know, won the Oscar and Winona never forgave her. Now, they, uh, apparently she said that's not true, mm. Gwyneth, but, uh, you know. Winona Ryder didn't say it's not true. I didn't see anything saying mm. so. But well, it's okay because Winona Ryder has shoplifted a bunch of goop stuff, so <laughs> yeah. got her revenge. <laughs> yeah, she's moved on to bigger and stranger things. So. Uh, but I was going to say about the the rewrite thing. It does it does feel like a conflicted movie to me. It feels like I feel like maybe the first draft of this movie was like a version where Shakespeare actually can't write, and he gets all yeah. of his ideas from random things, and it cobbles together a play, and then. Tom Stoppard came in and was like, "You can't do that." Right. And kind of, and it's somewhere in the middle. I don't know. It just it felt a bit messy to me. I didn't really like it very much, uh, but not horrible. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I loved this as a teenager, and I loved it in my twenties. I remember showing a girlfriend that I had like this movie, and I was like, "You're gonna love it," and we watched it. And she was like, "I hate it," and I was like, "Ah." <laughs> and Blaine, not in love. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then rewatching this time, I kind of saw a little bit more of the rust on it, but I, I still think that the romance in it is really great and acted well, and the chemistry between the characters is really good. There are some funny moments in it. It's just really tonally all over the place for me as a movie, and I think that's why it's it's like, uh, I'll split the difference between you two. I'm going to say it's like mildly rewatchable. Okay. I'd probably rewatch this again at some point in my life, but not anytime soon. So what Shakespeare play would you compare this to? Is it a Romeo King Lear? And Juliet? <laughs> <laughs> you compare think, it to the. <laughs> I think it means in terms of quality. Yeah, not uh, in terms of the characters represented. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say it's like a Twelfth Night or a Tempest. Like, okay, comedy. Okay. Yeah. So it's no like Midsummer Night's Dream. You don't know any of them. Where, yeah. what, were you in any Shakespeare plays? He wrote The Lion King, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I've never done any Shakespeare plays. My first play I was ever in was It's a Nice Dream. Oh. Yeah. Which, who yeah. did you play? The ass? I, <laughs> no, I played, uh, I played Lysander. Oh. I played one of the lovers. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was awkward. It was awkward. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll end on... What a on, great place to end. We'll end on It Was Awkward. And thank you so much for listening to Rewatchability. You can... We, we are part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. You can find us uh, there. You can find us on our website. You can find us at facebook.com slash rewatchability, at rewatchability on Twitter. And if you have uh, some ducats to give, you can go to... Is that what they call them? Ducats? We actually don't take ducats. Shillings? Uh, we don't take I, shillings. Oh, okay. I think you're looking for Bitcoin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you have any of that volatile? What, isn't that what you call it yourself, sir? Volatility or something at the beginning? Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and, uh, and donate there. Thanks so much for listening. Anon, good sirs. <laughs> Why do you assume that everyone listening is a man? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.